It's good to be back in the house of the Lord after being out in this crazy world all week. You see the news and what have you and all the insanity that seems to be going on. It's like coming home and finding rest. That's what God's Word says. We find rest in Christ. You know, I'm a huge fan of truth. That word truth, and many of you know me, that I, I, I dwell on that so much. And the more I study the, the Scriptures, the more you realize that truth only comes from God. He's the epitome of truth. He's the author of truth, the author of logic and reason and knowledge and just everything that stems from his creation absolutely blows me away with the fathomment. And in the reform circles, we've talked about this the last few weeks, you know, we want we emphasize God is holy, God is just, God is these other attributes, and we, you have a you have to have a right view of God's holiness, and a right view of His justice, and a right view of all these other attributes, and we seem to sometimes forget God's love, the epitome of love. And if you don't have a right view of God's love, you don't have a right view of God. As we're working our way through First John, I got hung up on some more truth. In chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And I think the older we get, the more, as a child of God, you appreciate that more, understanding where you come from and where you're being led. And sometimes it feels like you're going backwards, but whether believing you're not, the sanctification is ongoing and you're moving forward. You ponder on these truths of love and, and where it stems from, this, this love of God. And we've looked at love all through this chapter. Today we're at verse 16. We were at verse 16 last time we were in First John, but we just kind of stopped there so we could really kind of take in the, the magnitude of what verse 16 is saying. And I don't think you, you could probably spend a year on this. I don't, I don't know. Amazing. The more I read it, the more I understand it with my tiny little brain, and I just get so appreciative of the love of God for His children and, and the love of His Son me and being one of His children. And you should too. If you leave here and reflect on nothing else, reflect on God's love for you. Today we'll be in First John chapter three. Verses 16, we're going to go down to 23. If you would, if you're able, please stand as we read God's Word together. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed 
and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. Pray, Father God, Abba, Father, we come into your presence. Humbly, Lord, we just thank you so much for the truth, the word, the logos that was in the beginning that you have shared that with us, that you have illuminated it to our hearts and minds, that we may be called children of God, that we may show that love to others in this dying world. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, you think Help us to grasp a better understanding of your word. Send your Holy Spirit, the one who inspired this word, to illuminate to our hearts. For we love you and we praise you. All of God's children said, Amen. By this we know love. Love defined, right? We went over this last time. Selfless love. The mark of, the, of Christ, the, the true Christian, the believer. So... Christ demonstrated love, and we're to demonstrate that love that was shown for us. The Apostle Paul, he had it right. It for me to live as Christ, to die as what? Game. We lost our brother a week or so ago. To live as Christ, to die as game. Because he laid down his life for us. In our place, he took the wrath of his own father, his perfect son. Took the wrath of his father on our behalf because God is holy, God is just, his justice must be met, he is righteous. Christ lived a perfect life and took on the wrath of his own father so we may be brought back into fellowship with him. Enemies of God made children. Behold what manner of love, right? Justice of God is satisfied in their sacrifice. Either you pay it eternally in hell or Christ pay it for you. There's no in between. You see it. He loved you so much in spite of you. But in order to bring you back to him, he punished the only innocent human who also happened to be his son on your behalf. Enemies made children. Unrighteous made righteous. Sinners made saints. All that act, that act of love, that single act of love. Second part is we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. There's love that came down, there's love that goes out. We ought to be willing to go that far. 
go to Matthew. If you want to turn that with me. 22. My translation says, uh, calls the man a lawyer. Well, then, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? I think an expert in the law is more appropriate, uh, more appropriate translation. Then Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Commandments condensed into two. Love God, love your neighbor. Seems fairly simple. It's not. We, we, we wouldn't see we wouldn't see the turmoil in the world if we could if we could do half of this. We wouldn't see the, if we could just love our neighbors ourselves. I mean, I know everybody can't love God because we're enemies of God. That's, that's a fact. If, if we could do just that one, we wouldn't see what we see in the world. We wouldn't see lootings and riotings and people being murdered senselessly. We wouldn't see babies that never get to see the light of day out of convenience, sacrifice and altar of convenience. You can't even love your own child out of convenience. You could go on forever. Get back into the text. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? This genuine sacrificial love is the willingness to go as far as to lay down your life for the brethren. If you see someone in need and you have all the, the goods in the world and you shut your heart from them, you say, no, I can't help you. I can't do it. No, I can't, I can't bless you out of my abundance. I just don't have it in me. Material wealth, you know, we've been blessed. Everybody, I mean, we've talked about it before. If you, if you have a house over your head and you shut up here in a car, you're rich. Whether you think it or not, you're loaded. You have the world's good. You live in America. With well, you're blessed, you're loaded. We live in one of the greatest countries. Still, I believe. So far. I hope it stays that way. But if you see your brother in need, shut up your heart from not can't help you. I was in a grocery store. And this lady comes up to me and she was... I, I think she needed to feed her child or something. I can't remember. She's like, I asked this guy, and he prayed with me. But he, that's all he did. <laughs> okay. Because I don't know what to do. So I prayed with her again. I figured it didn't take, right? So, you know, we, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we helped her out. Uh, and I'm not trying to blow my trumpet in front of the coffer. I'm just <laughs> a little joke. But. You know, 
it's 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 easy to bless someone out of your abundance. I mean, if, if you you have more than you need, I can almost guarantee it. And to shut your heart from someone that's in need, is, <laughs> if you claim to be a Christian, that's uh, not good. You know, we talk about taking the Lord's name in vain, and everybody thinks it's that word, right? Everybody thinks it's that word. You don't say, you don't dare say that. But if you ever considered taking on the name of Christ, I am I'm a child of God, I'm a born-again child of God, you take on that name of Christ, and then you act out in this manner. Beloved, you have just taken the Lord's name in vain. You think, how many times have I done that? How many times have you forgiven me? How many times do we go through these things? Verse 18, my children, let us not love in word or deed, or word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Action. Love is an action. Not this Hollywood idea of feeling all fuzzy. I was, uh, I was at work. It was me and y'all heard me talk about Don the Baptist. My free will Baptist pastor friend. I think he's kind of coming around because of this book, uh, this this epistle here. But there was a guy talking to us, and he's like, "I, I like everybody." But really, you like everybody. You literally like everybody. And he says, "Yes." Like how? I want to know your secret. Please tell me, because I struggle. He says, "Well, the Bible tells me that I have to love everybody, so." It must mean I have to like them. I was like, no, no. I would help you out no matter if I liked you or not. Because that's what the Bible tells me, to love you. Not in tongue, not in lip service. Don't give lip service. It's an action. To show the love of God outwardly because the love of God has been bestowed upon us, the whole matter of love. Say all day we love someone, but love not demonstrated is not love. It's a lie. It's not of the truth. Galatians six ten. I'll turn there. You can turn with me. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of the faith. Who are the household of the faith? Us. The children of God. I'm going to turn to the old tried and true James here. Chapter 2. I'm going to read from 14 to 18. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? And faith save him? If her brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Some will say, you have faith, and I have works, so show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So, James is saying, works are 
product of salvation. It is a outworking of faith. If you go all the way down to verse 26 there in James chapter 2, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And I was, this is really peculiar to me because I noticed in my Bible everywhere that spirit was used, it was a capital S, as in the Holy Spirit. And all the commentaries that I read, or some of them, I haven't read all of them, um, it was, it was, they refer to this as being the Holy Spirit. I think it's much more simple than that. And the words for spirit here is pneuma in the Greek. It means a bunch of different things, obviously Holy Spirit. Uh, and one of the meanings is breath of the lungs, uh, just breathing. And if you take out spirit and put in the word breath, which is not, not at all far-fetched, full of as the body without the breath is dead, so the faith, so faith without works is dead also. So good works or love for the brethren are as natural to the believer as breathing. This is what we do. It's a natural thing for a child of God. You would have that inclination to help, especially those of the household of faith. Verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. The original text read, or reads, we shall know. The Greek here is gnosko. It's future tense. It means to find out. By this we will know. We will know. If. If what? We have that sacrificial love. Faith about what is there. We minister to the needs of others out of our abundance. We are the truth. If we don't, you know. And shall assure our hearts before him. Sacrificial love of God shown to us to flow out of us, to be demonstrated by us. Mark of the Christian is godly love. Verse 20. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. The assurance. My friend Don the Baptist. Like if you want to know if you're of the faith, we he for First John. If you're an Arminian, how does that work? Or do you ever get down on yourself? Do you ever think, wow, how could a holy God love someone like me? How could someone, the things that we, you may think or the, the things that you may say or the things that you act upon how this great God, this perfect being, creator of all that can be known or will ever be known, love me, a sinner. You ever ponder on that? You ever grieve over your sin? Feel guilty? And how could a true child of God do what I just did? 
that the greatest struggle? You have to guess, can you, that I think you're normal. I mean, you're as normal as I am. I don't know if that's like the, any kind of standard to go by. God knows our hearts. He knows all things. So even if your heart is condemning you, this great God, this great God of love, knows all things. He's forgiven you already. Have you confessed it? Yes. It's John 1. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just. He forgive us because His justice has been met and satisfied. Sometimes salvation gets questioned, right? You think, how? You serve a great God. And Paul even encourages us to, to examine ourselves daily to make sure you're the faith. Start with the gospel. What's the gospel? Christ died for sinners. Are you a sinner? Yes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And you do that, yes. Then, outpouring of that love that was shed upon to you. The Armenian will tell you you can lose your salvation. They will tell you that you can lose eternal life. You think about that. My friend Don the Baptist, he has a different eschatological, eschatology, eschatological view. He sounded out, right? Bear with me. Then perhaps most of us in the you know the millennial reign, uh, you know whatever your thoughts on the millennial reign, that's fine. But he said, I hope I don't lose my salvation in the millennial reign. And I was like, well, then it's not eternal. And he stops for a second. He's like, oh yeah. Well, I didn't think back then. Well, if it's eternal in the millennial reign, it's eternal right now. Eternal life is eternal. There's no not being eternal once it's eternal. It's temporary if it's not eternal. You'd have to change John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him might perish. They may have eternal life or temporary life. Who knows? Does that make sense? It doesn't, because it can't. It's either eternal or it's not. You either never had it, or you always will. Barney, one of my favorite theologians, who can put stuff so simple and so perfectly, said this, how can God have ever known me and then not know me? And to know someone, this intimate knowledge, and, and it compares it to the knowledge of a husband and wife. Y'all figure that out. Is, is a, a knowledge that only they share. So you, this knowledge that God has with you is a knowledge that He shares with you and you alone. And then the knowledge of Him that, that we can find in the Scriptures, you can't understand Scriptures without being a believer. Did you know that? You can graze over it and you can try to make sense of it. You can twist it to make it anything you want, like the, the slaves in uh, is it Deuteronomy. Uh, the, yeah, I won't get into the other part of that slave thing, but there's children here. But it doesn't make sense. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to John 6. I think it's 37-ish. It is. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. All you got to do is come. On down. Same chapter, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come apart from the drawing of the Father by the Holy Spirit. On down here, there's one more, but same thing. Before I say to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. God the Father, out of his enormous love, promised his Son, the Son willingly took it on your behalf, that you could be called a child of God, behold, but man of love again. And if you want to put it a little more simple, you cannot be saved by grace and lost by works. There's nothing you can do. It can't happen. Verse 21 now, I think. Let's read that one. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So, kind of a little bit of the opposite. You know, the heart, heart condemns us sometimes, and sometimes you're feeling okay. <laughs> Good. I hope that's more often than not for you. We have confidence toward God. This, this word confidence is, is a fearless confidence. And the word confidence, not Greek, Latin, is confide, with faith. You can come with faith, knowing this great God, this great, wonderful God who sent His Son to die on your behalf. He loves you so much. You have confidence. You can say, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. I'm going to go to Hebrews 10. 22. Here's Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance. Romans 8.15 You did not receive the spirit of bondage, Again, to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. We either come before Him in shame, knowing we've fallen short, or we come before Him in full confidence, 
We are his children either way. How we come before him is basically dictated by words. You know, are we, are we messing up a little bit? Usually. Are we doing what's right? Either way, we come before God. Same, same God, same way, by grace, through faith. Christ is the mediator. He's our propitiation. Barney loves that word. I throw that in there. Either way, no matter how you come to him, you can't lose. You're his child. My kids, they come to me, they're my children, and I love them. I don't really care what they did or didn't do to an extent. Of course, I want what's best for them. I want them to do right. But they're mine. I love them. Romans 8, 38. I'm down if you haven't turned back yet. Very familiar. I mean, it's leading to Romans 9, everybody's favorite chapter. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor death, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, nothing and separate you from this great love. This right view of love. This correct view of love that you cannot be separated from as a child of God. So this confidence in prayer, confidence in being able to come before God, then John's leading us into Verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Psalm 34, 15. Go to 1 John 5, 14. Now we have this confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So this kind of helps us understand that a little better. According to his will. We have this confidence that we pray according to his will. Our prayer should always be in accordance to his will. Our prayers never go unanswered. Sometimes the answer is just flat out no. That's okay. I don't know how to, I guess I'm not the greatest uh, prayer warrior or however you want to put it, but keep things simple. If, if I have a major decision coming up in my life, I pray, Lord, if this is your will, I'll walk right through that door. If it's not, you shut that door, please. If it's your will, in accordance to your will. That's the, only, that's the simplest way I know how to do it. No matter how bad I want it, if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with that. Because if I try to force that door open, I know it's not going to work out. If we're keeping his commandments as he, as he said here, 
we're inclined to his will already. We want what he wants. Verse 23, John is summing up his thought here. Verse 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This is his commandment what? We believe on him. Name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Love one another. Sound familiar? Right? We just went over that. Love God, love your neighbor. You know, people, you hear people talking about coming to glory and eternal life and, and, and being in heaven. They talk about heaven. They don't, they don't necessarily talk about being in the presence of God, this magnificent being that we only can get a glimpse of here. They talk about their mansions and what it's going to be like in heaven, having, being there, doing all manner of worldly things. Like it's all worldly thoughts that that people attribute to the kingdom of God and its fullness. But do you really stop and think? Right now, we're being sanctified. We're constantly being sanctified. All our way to glory, we're being made. We've been being conformed to the image of Christ right now as we speak. But do you really think what it's going to be like? And in John defines eternal life. Um, is this, is to know God. It's that simple. Eternal life is not your mansion um, or any worldly things that you can have here. Believe it or not, you can have a mansion here if you're willing to do what it takes to get it. I mean, we can have all the, the silly frills that we attribute to the kingdom of God right now, and it's not the kingdom of God. But do you ever think about, of course, you think about, you know, you get to, you get to be in the presence of, of Christ, and you know, some of us ponder on that, and we get to, you know, meet the Apostle Paul, like, wow, you're, you're, you're there, and, and, and David, and, and all the other apostles, and just all these great pillars of the faith. But have you considered that you will be made whole? You will be made just like Christ. Finally. You can't have any more guilt because you can't sin anymore. You considered that. Because sometimes I want that bad. I pray, God, you, I know you don't like this. I know you can take this away from me. I know. Sometimes I get mad. Why don't you? You gave me a job. You gave me my marching orders. This ain't, this ain't how I'm supposed to be. And the word you told Paul... On grace is sufficient. Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes I don't like being me. But that guy said, I like everybody. I'm like, that'd be easy. I don't like me half the time. So. Fine. Alright? Like we read earlier in Matthew 22. Expert in the law, questioning Christ, trying to stump him. What's the greatest commandment? Love God, love your neighbor. It is literally that simple. It seems like one of the most difficult things. I love you guys. We have some guests here, and I hope they feel welcome. I hope they come in fellowship with us and get to know what a great family we have here.
I'll just tell you this, our absolute main focus is the truth of God, the truth contained in the scriptures. And it's obvious that we didn't put on a big light show and have a band rocking out for you. Not our thing. We just want to glorify God. We want to praise Him. We want to come into His presence and give Him the honor and the praise to His name. Let's pray. Father God, again, we come into Your presence. Lord, the depth of the love You have shown in sinful man's enemy, Your enemy, that You would punish Your only begotten Son on our behalf to bring us back to fellowship with You. And so astounding, so amazing, amazing grace. Lord, today I pray that if anyone does not know You, as the Lord and Savior of their life, that today would be your birthday in the kingdom of heaven. If you have an inkling of a doubt, please talk to one of us afterwards. So let us leave here and bring glory and honor to you and all that we say and do. We love you and we praise your holy name. I'll bless children's sake.